Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. It's awesome to be here and I'm sure that if you haven't asked yourself the question yet, maybe this morning is a good time just to ask yourself, how am I going to have a great year? Like, you know, somehow the world thinks that every year is going to be better than the previous one. Every year is a fresh start and we send fireworks and we do um, whatever parties. I don't know always what we celebrate on New Year's Eve, but we celebrate something new. We celebrate something fresh. We celebrate hope, if you will. Um, this year I was in the fortunate or unfortunate position that I did not see one firework at 12 o'clock. Uh, we were in France Kral and there was absolutely nothing happening there. <laughs> so my sister and I were on the balcony and uh, we were like, oh, it's 12. And then we heard like one house shout, Happy New Year! And there was like nothing. Because um, the, uh, the, the, the fire services went around actually warning everyone that please do not uh, do any fireworks. And actually people obeyed, can you believe? But I don't know where you were, I don't know what you're up to and what you've been up to, but for me, the end of the year is usually a good time just to take stock, just to contemplate on, on where we are and where we are as a church and as a family and personally and what is God doing, what is God stirring. And yesterday we met as uh, Central Elders and it was awesome just to, to meet up with Shane again after the mission trip and uh, Etienne and Chart was there as well and we, we spent a good time in prayer and then just also like taking, taking care of each other. Asking some questions like, how are you doing? How, how was the year? What are, you, what are you excited about? What are you maybe scared about? And I want to ask you just some of those questions that will help you determine whether indeed you are on the right track and also the right trajectory. You know, in life you can either go upwards, downwards or sideways. And I want you to help, to help you just determine where you are this morning. And then we're going to look at how to make this a great year. So... I want to ask you some questions just to get you, get you going. It says, what are you known for? Like currently, I shared this on our business leaders' encouragement as well. What are you known for? Like if people, if you say, hey, you know Peter, what, like, is that, they would say, yes, he is the guy that, fill in the blank. And depending on who you ask, you might have different answers. And remember, we don't live for the praises of people, so that's not what we're trying to ascertain. We're just trying to see what we're about. If you ask people at work what I'm about, they would tell you um, probably that I'm about the church because I know I'm not there every, every day and they know why. If you ask your family what we're about, then they know we're about the church, but they don't really know how to explain further because they don't live life like we do it. What are you known for? And then the second question, the follow-up question is, are you happy with the answer? Are you happy with that answer? And the great thing is that you can change. And remember, nothing is going to change unless you change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So hopefully I'm here just to give you a bit of a wake-up call that even though you should expect a great year, you're going to have to do something about it. Okay? It's not going to happen by itself. God is not going to make or determine whether this is a good year or not. Just think about that. God is not going to determine whether you and I, or us as a church, have a good year or a bad year. If, 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 that, if that is difficult for you, his dad reflexes are coming in handy. It is not because of God whether you're going to have a good year or bad year. Can I give you the, the end of the message in the beginning? The only thing that will determine whether this is a good year or a bad year is your focus. 
That's all. Your focus is going to determine whether this is a good year or the bad year. The best year or the worst year, or something in between. Because it's not circumstantial. As we mature as Christians, we should not let circumstances determine what is good and what is bad. We know if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. So why are you having a bad year? It's because you let the devil run all over you. The word says clearly, resist the devil. Take a stand. Chase him away. I had a fortunate uh, conversation with an Uber driver this week. And I usually sit in the back and mind my own business and catch up on some WhatsApps or do some admin. Um, but he, he, he opened the front door and said, sit, sit in the front. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a conversation. And one of the things he said to me, he says, in life we shouldn't be kind to our problems. I was like, that's interesting. He said, yeah, you need to be a problem to your problems. I was like, Sipo, that's wise. And Sipo told me some of the problems that he's faced in life, and he's a believer. So when I said I'm a pastor, he, he opened up big time. So we had a great conversation. And I was just thinking to myself, am I causing problems for my problems? Or am I just accepting the problems and let bygones be bygones? And oh, I've got this pain, I've got this ill, I've got this sickness, I've got this financial issue, I made this bad decision. Or I'm actively fighting against, because that's really the word resist. In James 4, 7, it says you need to resist the devil. That's actively fight against. Now, I don't know if you did it last year, but guess what? You have another lap around the sun where you can resist the devil. We can actively fight against things. Now, I remember when I used to be more immature as a Christian, I would get a, a little nasal drip and I would get a, a, a tickle in my throat and I would already know that this is going to be sinus and antibiotics. You see, I wasn't a problem to my problem. I accepted the problem, I was a victim, I fell sick. And then I realized, but hey, I've got authority. I'm above and not below. I've got the, 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 the same spirit, like we said, that raised Christ from the dead now living in me. So guess what? I'm not going to take the sickness. And you know what? I still take my ACC and my vitamin C and my ABC or whatever Carenzas and C's you take, because that just helps you. And it's easier to fight sickness when you don't have the pains. So take your Panadu. But don't think that the panado is the one that heals you. It is God. And all the doctors said panado doesn't heal. I know. <laughs> it's symptomatic. But it helps you to then enter into actively fighting against. So are you a problem to your problems? If you want to make a list of your problems, and ask yourself, am, what am I doing to resist this? And I, I, no one has ever asked me that, but that was Sipo, my driver, this week. Are you a problem to your problem? Some of the other questions that I want to ask you this morning is, if you were to be at your own funeral, would you be happy with what others said about you? If you were to attend your own funeral, would you be happy with the eulogy? Will you be happy with the product or the result of how many ever laps you did around the sun? The great news is, you can change. You can change your focus. You can change what you do. You can change what you're known for. Amen? According to an article published in the Harvard Business School, or by Harvard Business School, it was on how to define a great life. And they're looking for ways to define and determine what is your life's purpose. Now, when I see something like that in the secular, I'm interested because I want to see what garbage they come up with. <laughs> but again, let's learn from them. And they say, successful corporate strategies are anchored to a purpose that lies at the intersection of what we're good at 
what does the world need and takes into account what our values are and what excites us. So I'm asking you this morning, what excites you? What is it that you value? What does the world need? And maybe, what are you good at? Now you can use the similar questions they say to determine your life purpose. I want to ask you, what is the burden that really bothers you? For some people, it's adoption. For other people, it is maybe, I don't know, women and children, abuse. For some people, it is to educate. There's something in us that stirs us. There's something in us that stirs us different than what it stirs the person next to you. And I want to share with you that what stirs you is the life and the love of God. And God has called us to do something. God has called us with a purpose. And we know that we have greater answers than what the world does, but the problems that the world faces, we can get involved with. We can get involved with those issues. And we know we're not going to just take food to the hungry, but we're going to take Christ. We should give bread, but we should give the bread of life always. You can run a soup kitchen for years, and you will be unfulfilled until you give the bread of life with that soup. And you see people come to Christ. Sharing with Shane yesterday and him sharing some of the stories from Albania and Belgium, like you could see it is the salvations that is still firing him two months later. When he shares those testimonies, he is like there's something in him that's going to sustain him for even this year. And guess what? It's going to fuel him and us to keep on doing the good work. What gives you a kick in life, Lorenzo asked this morning? In a good way. <laughs> what, what, what do you do? And then when you've done it, you're like, yes. And it doesn't mean it needs to be easy. I remember I had to, to attend an elders meeting at one of our campuses. And uh, it was a very difficult meeting. It was a confrontational meeting. And I had to stand up and say things and, and, and be bold in a way that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm not really confrontational. But I remember after that, I went and I, on the way home, just stopped and got something to eat. And I felt like I did after a rugby match. We were like, this was tough, but this was good. Because it was righteous. I stood up for righteousness. I stood up for the, the, what is correct and what is right and what's honorable and what is godly. So it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's popular. So again, I want to say this to you. Like, what is going to determine whether you have a good year is your focus. Because if you're going to focus to make people happy, you're going to have a terrible, miserable year. If you're going to focus to make God known, to stand up for what is right, you might be persecuted from January to December. But it can be your best year ever. You see, the Word says clearly that we should not be focused on the things of the earth, but of the things above. I'm not sure where you are in business, and I'm sure everyone's not in a great place. I'm not sure where everyone's relationships and marriages are, but I'm sure they're not all in a great place. But that will not determine your year. Or that doesn't have to. Let me say that. It could, if you let it. I don't know what you expected today, but I'm here to give you a wake-up call. <laughs> I'm here to help you. Because my heart is to help you. My heart is for all of us to have the best year ever. But guess what? We might have worse load shedding than we ever had before. We might have higher fuel prices than we ever had before. Yet we can have the best year that we've ever had. No amens, but I'm getting there. One way that I've defined the purpose of my life for myself is to enjoy grace and extend His glory. Enjoy grace and extend 
His glory. Not my glory. Not my kingdom. Not my podium. Not my platform. But His. And then what I do at the end of the year, I like to take stock. And at, the, at Christmas time, I drove up and down by myself to come have a service, which was awesome. Because I had some time in the car to contemplate and to think and to, to meditate and to plan and to speak to God. And I realized there's a lot of things that I've dreamed of for years that I actually accomplished last year without trying to accomplish it. And you know what was also interesting? I didn't over-celebrate it because it wasn't my focus. But by focusing on God, by focusing on His mission, His kingdom and the gospel, things happened that I was dreaming about for years. And that's amazing. But now I'm like, okay, now that's just sort of part of my life now. It's not the destination. The destination was Christ. And I want to share that with you as well. Like your destination in life is not where you're going, it's where you come from. If you have Jesus, you've found what you've been looking for. Amen? So we have this end time destination, this heaven mindset where we're going to go to the golden throne and the golden streets and we're going to have mansions. Which means that every day here you're living below your potential. Because what is your potential? Your potential is Christ. Amen? Your potential is Christ. Romans 8 says that we are earnestly expecting the manifestation of the sons of God. And even the nature around us, earth, is, is, is groaning because they're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Ladies, you're not excluded. You are to be sons of God, carriers of His will, His purpose, His name, His identity. And then sometimes we are frustrated. I won't ask you to raise your hands because it may, might be most of us. Ask yourself this, am I frustrated? And then ask yourself, am I frustrated with myself? Because of a lot of the frustrations in life, we project on others, but we're actually frustrated with ourselves. We're frustrated with the fact that we're not living to the potential that we know we can. Someone said to me the other day, like, if we've got this great revelation, why are we not seeing more? Like, I'm asking the same question. And the reason is not the revelation, it's not God, it's what we're doing with what we've got. What is it that we're doing with what we know? Are we stepping out? Are we being bold? Are we proclaiming the gospel? Are we not letting be conformed by the patterns of this world? Are we stepping out and saying, hey, I'm going to have a great year, irrespective of what war goes on where? I'm going to have a great year, irrespective of the oil price or the load shedding state. Why? Because I'm going to have good times with my father, and that's going to overflow into relationships and life-giving encounters with other people. You see, it's so easy that it's difficult. Because we want the steps. We want to, if I get my MBA, if I get this business deal, if I go for this job interview, if I... You know what? I was meditating. I'm, I'm starting a... I started a Bible reading plan. If you're struggling with social media, I start a Bible reading plan. Because every time you pick up your phone, you haven't done your reading for the day. Like, that's a, a good priority to have. Just a practical tip. And I'm, I'm currently in Genesis, as most of us would be in uh, January. And I was thinking about Abraham and Lot. And Abraham stood there with Lot. And he said, we've all got a lot. Or whatever. Some of you got it, some of you haven't. It's January, I forgive you. And you know what, if that was a, a, a business... Say you had two job opportunities. Now, we often think that 
we, we, we read the story and we tend to read it from the main character's point of view. So we read Genesis and we read it from Abraham's point of view, don't we? We read Genesis and we read it from Isaac's point of view. Now, you know, now let me give you this for free. Have you ever read Genesis from Rebecca's point of view? So Rebecca comes and she comes to draw water. It's warm. It's the desert. And there's a guy that she knows from no... She's never seen him before. Interestingly, he must be an older person because if you read just before that, it says it's Abraham's oldest servant. The one who's in control of everything. Which is the first time that I, that I saw that. I've read it many times, but the first time that I saw that. And that is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So it's the one who's in control of everything, of the Master. And he sends that one away to go find a wife. So everything that is in his care, someone else now needs to take care of it. And this guy comes and he says, Lord, how am I going to do this? And he prays and he says, Lord, I'm going to ask for a, a drink of water. And if the lady offers to give water to my camels, then I know she's the one. And the word says he hasn't even finished the prayer and Rebecca shows up. And she's very beautiful. So I'm sure he's like, okay, this might be it. But guess what? It's a lot of work to give water to camels. And from her perspective, this stranger asked for a drink of water. And I mean, most of us would say, yes, so there, there you go. And he doesn't ask, but she offers to give water to all the camels. She doesn't know what's about to happen to her. Because later on he sits at her father's table and he says, Listen, your brother, Abraham, is very rich. Very, very, very rich. Why is Abraham rich? Because he sold his wife twice. He made a franchise out of his marriage. Some business advice there, if you ever will. <laughs> Not your wife, your franchise. Franchises, you can sell your same business over and over. If you have one business, you can only sell it once. He sells his wife twice. He's very rich. This lady doesn't know the fact that she's just offered to water camels is going to result in an answer to a prayer that's going to result in her becoming the joint heir of this massive estate. Because he says to her that everything that Abraham owns will become Isaac's. If she knew then I'm sure more of us would have been interested in watering the camels. But she did it with zero expectation. She have you ever wanted a business tip? Are you the one who's willing to water the camels? And I'm asking you as well, in your walk with God, are you the one who's willing to water the camels? With zero expectation. Are you the one who's willing to just give finances even if you don't get anything back? Are you the one who's willing to serve and sow and sow and sow and sow finances, sow the gospel, sow love, without expecting anything in return? Because now we know the end of the story, but from Rebecca's point of view, at that moment when she had to make a decision, she had zero expectation. It was just her character. And you see, God promotes character. So if you're looking for promotion, don't look for new job opportunities on LinkedIn. Look to build your character. Look to grow your capacity. Look to increase your, um, your resistance to chaos. I've said this before. If there's chaos in the land, people are tend to draw to the one who's calm. So if we can remain calm under pressure, we're going to grow in influence. And when we grow in influence, the kingdom can extend. 
So this is really important stuff for us, by the way. Okay? It's not just how to be successful, it's how to be successful in life and the kingdom that I'm sharing with you this morning. And you're in the privileged position that I didn't share for two weeks, so I've got a lot that I've been meditating on, and I'm giving you the, hopefully a bit of a condensed version. But this is amazing for us. Are we enjoying grace and extending His glory? It's just a question. No condemnation, but ask yourself, am I enjoying grace? That's the first part. And second part then is, am I part of extending His glory? If you are, you're going to have one to get up in the mornings. If you're not, I guess that you're hitting the snooze button already. Okay, I hit the snooze button this morning. No condemnation. But I still wanted to get up because it's Sunday. It's purpose. It's destiny. I've got, I carry something that I want to share. Now the writer of Hebrews shares some advice with us which we can apply to make 2024 a great year. Hebrews 3 verse 12, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, says, So search your hearts every day. Is that a habit for you? And they got all these books about atomic habits and great habits and micro habits I see now. Very trendy. So I'm giving you one that's trendy from Hebrews. 2,000 years old, it's still trendy. Search your heart every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you. Evil there means just opposing to God. Do you have uh, uh, unbelief in your heart? Because then we need to deal with it. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. We want to be responsive to God, don't we? We want to move when He speaks. We want to be available in prayer. That's one of the things we said yesterday in our leaders' kickoff. We said we want to be available in prayer. What that means is God is speaking. We want to be, we want to be listening. God wants to send people to Belgium. We want to hear that. And then say, yes, Lord. God wants to send people to Albania. We want to say, yes, Lord, and go. But we can be so busy that we don't hear, so God has to then speak to other people. Because the kingdom still needs to be extended, doesn't it? This is the time to encourage each other. Have you considered that during the year 2024, you want to make time to encourage others? You see, um, New Year's resolutions tend to be quite selfish could be very self-centered. I'm going to train more. Okay, that's good. I'm going to do more. I'm going to earn more. I'm going to grow more. Okay, but the Bible says, are you making time to encourage others? Are you blessing others? It says to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. For we are, I love this from the Passion Translation, mingled with the Messiah. We are mingled with the Messiah. So no, none of you super holy people drink gin and tonics, but this is what would happen, is um, you would put the gin and the tonic water together and then you mingle it. This is how you are with Christ. You cannot separate you and Christ. You are mingled with the Messiah. You are beginning and holding fast with confidence, the word says there, being partakers, being mingled together, being one with Christ. If we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance, from the beginning till the end. Now, I don't know what you are up to or up against, but Genesis 18:14 says, "Is anything too difficult for the Lord?" So I'm just asking questions this morning if you've heard. And I'm asking you again, is anything too difficult for the Lord? And we know the answer. The answer is no. So I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Why do you worry then? It's 
It's simple, but it's difficult, I know. I mean, like, we, we, we're human. <laughs> so, it's, again, it's cheesy, but it works. Are we going to become warriors, or why, or warriors, W-A-R-R? And God wants to take you from a worry to a warrior. From being busy with the wrong things to being occupied with Him. From being uh, a standalone to being mingled with the Messiah. So if we grow in those things, like who thinks it's going to be a good year? I think it is. And you see, it's all available. That's the great news. It's all free of charge because it's paid for. And it's all up to you. Now the beauty is we have community. You know, if you have a gym buddy, you tend to go more. And that's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of focus, of growth. If we surround ourselves with like-minded people, with gospel-centered, Christ-focused people, we're going to become like them. We're going to stand around the braai and we're not going to talk about all the other things that other people talk about. We're going to talk about the Word. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to talk about realities, spiritual truths. And we're going to maybe even differ and discuss, and that's fine. This um, holiday, I spoke to... Um, my brother-in-law, and you know, in our stage where we are, you don't know when the boys are going to wake up. And it can be anything from 10, a, 10 p.m. like onwards. I went to bed at half past one just because of a, uh, we had a, just a, a discussion around the Word and the Bible. And, and there was just an openness. So I was like, it's holiday. I can sleep tomorrow, which you never can. But... I was like, I'm not sure when I get this opportunity to share again. So I just poured in and he poured in and we challenged each other. And at the end of it, he said to me, like, there's a saying in Hebrew, apparently, that means to debate for the sake of the kingdom. And I was like, that's beautiful. It's not to argue. It's not to be right. It is so that we can challenge our views so that when we are right, someone else can be more right. <laughs> And when we are wrong, that we can humble ourselves so that the kingdom is better off at the end of the day because we all then grow in truth. And the beauty is, you can do that with the Holy Spirit, but you can do that with a brother or a sister or a brother-in-law or someone around the table or around the fire like we did. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Now, Genesis seven seventeen says, And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased. I mean, that's bad. That's, that, that's a bad place to be when the waters are increasing. That like, it's, it's terrible. Like It's the worst time for the world ever when you read Genesis 7. It's the, it's the worst time in history. <laughs> Probably still. I mean, COVID was bad, but it wasn't as bad as the flood. And then it says, And bear up the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He says, When you're in the ark, you're above the problems. But what it also says, when you're in the ark, you're above the earth. So we're not living for things on the earth anymore. We're living for things above. So when the writer, Paul writes to the Colossian church, and he says, think about things above, not of things of the earth, he might be getting it from this verse. Because when we're in Christ, we're in the ark, we're in the place of safety, whatever the troubles is, is not a trouble, it's actually the very thing that lifts you off. You see, an airplane takes up against the wind. That's how it lifts. But yet, we don't want to go against the flow, or against the, the, the stream, or against the wind. But we want to be above only. Amen? There's someone here that you are, 
you're facing troubles with tax, and you've got advice, people telling you, don't worry, no one will know, but you feel in your heart that you want to do it right, and you know it's going to cost you a lot. And I want you to, 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 to emphasize that, do it right. Do it right, irrespective of the cost. Because there's a testimony about to happen, and it doesn't need to be financially, but it will be in your heart, where you would know that God is true, and that you can live with a clean conscience. If that's for you, I want to pray for you afterwards, please. But that's just something I feel. Let's do it, not as the world, but as Christ. Because we are above only, not beneath. You know, Jesus had to pay tax. How did he get the money? From the fish's mouth. Supernaturally. Why? He committed to do the right thing. He, some would say it wasn't necessarily required of him. There's a debate around that. The different scholars have different views. He didn't, he was above board. He was like, if someone says I need to pay, I'll pay. But I, I can even get the money supernaturally. <laughs> so let's just commit to doing the right things. Colossians 3.1 we said it already. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. That's your focus. How are you going to have a great year? Are you going to set your affection on things above? You see, if you don't set it on things above, you default to the things of the earth. You default to the next pair of shoes, the next pair of whatever, the next house, the next car. The next exercise. What is your effect? What are you affectionate about? That means what do you love? What do you ponder on? What do you think of? Say you're about to get an, a cell phone upgrade. I don't know about you, but I have quite a process where I start looking around and I start doing some uh, research and I, I, I try and find out what are great deals and where's a great time to. Um, to upgrade, what is a great phone, what is good value. So in that whole process, some of my affection is on that cell phone. Now, there's wisdom, so make a great decision, but don't let it overcome you. Don't spend too much time on it. You can rather spend time with Christ, amen? Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Because really, will that phone make such a big difference in your life? I promise you, it will still make phone calls. It will still receive WhatsApps. It will still take photos. You probably still play music on it. Probably scroll too much on it still, no matter the brand. For you are dead. There's a thought. You want to have the best year yet? You're dead. <laughs> Amen? And your life is hit with Christ in God. Isn't that amazing? When Christ, who is your life, shall appear... Then you shall also appear with them in glory. Remember, are you enjoying grace and are you extending His glory? When we realize that we're dead, we realize our position in Christ, then we're living for His glory, not ours. Another question that we can ask ourselves at the beginning of 2024 is whether we are truly following Christ. I'm not asking whether you're born again, even though that's a good question. If you're not sure, come speak to me and we can make sure. But are you really following Jesus? Now I would ask you, where are you going when it's not a Sunday? Because I'm sure Jesus is going to more places than just church on a Sunday. A lot of people say, yes, I follow Jesus, but you only see them in, busy with the kingdom stuff on Sundays. Hebrews 3, verse 12 says, Take care, brethren, 
That we be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Now, when we read evil and we grace people, we like, we, that's not me. Okay, but maybe it is. Because it doesn't mean an unsaved heart. It means a heart that is not focused on God. A heart that is not focused. The affections are not set on the things above, the things of God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. Is it still called today? So this advice is still true, amen? So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we can be hardened and deceited, amen? I want to add one more thing, probably two. It says, what I really felt God stir in me for, for all of us, is for this year to make church a big priority. To make church... A big priority. Maybe you say, yeah, but you're always sending people out. Yes, we are. <laughs> and you have to say goodbye to some more people in the next few weeks. And we'll help you deal with that because we've already dealt with it in our hearts. And um, when I say to Shane, these people and these people and these people are leaving. They're leaving to other campuses, to other nations. He, uh, he said, oh, that's all good reasons. And then he sent me a voice note and he was like, you know your, your role. And, and, and like, like sort of this message, I hope you're okay. And like, it will be all right. And... And I replied to him and I said, Shane, don't worry about me and Natasha. We know our role. We know what we're here to do. And this is success. We're sending people out. Doesn't mean we're going to work less. We're probably going to work more. We're going to sweat more. We're going to work harder. But we're doing what we're supposed to do. Amen? We're sending people off. But why then prioritize the church? Why don't we close Grace Life and just start a missions organization? Maybe some of you have thought that. Maybe some of you think that's the worst idea ever. I think it's the worst idea ever. Because if you go on an aeroplane, if you ever listen to the safety uh, induction, they say whenever there's a shortage of oxygen and the oxygen mask falls from above, adults or parents, please put the mask on yourselves first and then on the child next to you. Now I want to say to you that the church is the parent and we need to take care of the church first. Otherwise, we will not have anyone to equip Otherwise, we will not have anyone to send out. And then when we send out people, there won't be anyone to support them. So I really want to emphasize this, that even though we're sending out people, even though we're going to have more missions this year, that we need to take care of the church. We need to keep the church alive. Otherwise, there won't be anyone to go out and make disciples. So I'm asking you another question this morning. Are you valuing the church? Are you valuing the church globally? Church, capital C. Are you valuing the body of Christ? But then I also want to ask you, if you consider yourself a part of us, do you value Grace Life? Do you value Grace Life Stellenbosch? Do you value your life group? Do you value the fact that God has placed you here even for a season where this is where He wants to feed you? Because guess what? You might not be here forever. But are you making the most of the opportunity? Are you giving? Are you partaking? Are you receiving? Are you valuing the church? Are you valuing me? If you don't, you're missing out. Not because I'm such a great person. No, but because I'm the person that God has placed here. So if you don't value me, you're not going to receive from me. Then you should probably not be here. Or you should change your heart because maybe God placed you here. Maybe you didn't expect that bold statement, but that's true. 
If I don't value Shane, then I have no purpose of being submitted to him. But I know my life has changed under his leadership, under his mentorship, under this ministry of which he is the head. Obviously Christ, but then there's someone that is leading Grace Life globally, and it's not me. And I value that. Are you serving? Are you partaking? Are you adding value? And then, how are you looking to increase what you're already giving, what you're already doing, and what you're already partaking of? You want to have a better year than last year, then what are you planning on doing? More. Getting more involved with, partaking more, receiving more. And I'm not just talking finances, I'm talking ministry school. I'm talking life group, I'm talking dream team, I'm talking school of the believer. I'm talking Friday night ministry nights. And the great thing is, we've, uh, we've planned to have a plan. Isn't that great? <laughs> so if you don't have a plan yet, just plan to have a plan. What we'll do is, we'll give you sort of a year plan. And we say, these are the conferences that we're going to have. These are the Friday night ministry nights that we're going to do. These are the, the, the different things that we're going to um, do for you, because we want to help you grow. We want to equip you. But we know that when we give you the dates in advance, then you have maybe less of an excuse. And more time to plan and to value and to make sure that you attend. Now you know what? We're in this together. 2024 is not about me. It's not about Shane. It's about us. All of us. You here this morning. You decided to come here to come and listen to what we've got to say for the year. You decided to come and receive, but also hopefully to come and partake. To come and bring of who you are. To come and bring and say, hey, I'm not just going to spectate. I want to participate. I want to be person number not so and so, but I want to be me in this congregation. I want to get to know people. I want to pray for people. I want to give into this ministry. This is us. No one else is maybe interested. (laughs) This is us. Like I was driving the other day and I said, God, what about this idea? And he said, why not? And it's so left field that you would think it's got nothing to do with the church, but it's got everything to do with the gospel. And he asked me, like the Holy Spirit said to me, like, if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? In your world, do you know anyone more radical about Jesus? I don't. Well, I was saying yesterday, we asked the same question, what are you known for? I said, were well, you known as a radical believer? He said, yeah, some people call that crazy. I'm like, yeah, it depends on your perspective. Faith sometimes looks crazy, but it's not about what it looks like. It's about we have to hear from God and are you living according to that. So we can't do this alone. We want not to do this alone. <laughs> it would be very boring if it was only me and the leaders here this morning. But we're so glad you came. Romans 12 gives us great advice on how to live and have a great year. And Romans 12 from verse 4, I'm reading the Passion Translation, says, In the human body there are many parts and many organs each with a unique function. Now already, that tells me that if you're not bringing who you are, then we're missing out on a unique function. We are missing out, not just you. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. So we're all in this together. This means that we are vitally joined to one another. Vitally there is, is not importantly, but life in a life-giving way. Like when we check your vital signs, we're checking if you're alive. So this is a life source, is our unity. With each contributing to the others. 
you're looking for a church to sit and receive and go on your kumbaya journey, I mean, we might disappoint you. <laughs> but we want you to grow. We want you to partake. We want you to contribute. We want you to even participate and challenge and have some discussions, debates for the good of the gospel. Amen? Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. That's not a requirement to attend this church. It says, let the inner movement of your heart, verse 9, always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. I read something in the week on Facebook that says church is hard because you see all these other people and they seem to have it together. You see all the other people and they seem to worship better and deeper than you do. You see all these other people and maybe they wear better clothes or maybe they drive better cars. But church is hard because we have and get to be ourselves. Please, if you will, be true. Give us the real you. Give us your toe jam. Amen? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We will do that if you allow us. Amen? Do not role play. Do not wear a mask. Despise evil. Embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Give us the real you. It's only when you are vulnerable that you truly get to experience the no condemnation grace life. Think about that. Only when you are vulnerable will you actually be able to test whether this gospel really is as good as it is. Whether there's no condemnation and whether this grace life is as good as it promises to be. As long as you withhold, you will always wonder, but what if this is the... This is the, this is the uh, if I tell them this about me, then... You know what? People tell me bad things. <laughs> it's, my, it's my job to listen. And I promise you that often people are surprised or even underwhelmed by my response. Because really the answer is Jesus. So no matter what you struggle with and how bad you think it is, if you share it with me, I'm like, Awesome. And mostly we've dealt with it before, so we know this, you're not the first or the only person to struggle with something. We're not making light of it, but we just know that the gospel, wherever sin exceeds, grace superabounds. So no matter what the sin that you struggle with, like, let us help you enter into grace, because grace superabounds. Hypergrace we spoke of last year. It says, be devoted to tenderly love your fellow believers as members of one body. So can I ask you one question? Either review your newest resolutions and goals, or at least, please add this one. I'm going to live for the family. I'm going to consider others. I'm going to tenderly love my fellow believers as if they were family, which they are. I'm going to not just think of myself. I'm going to try and make time and even put a reminder on my phone to encourage people, to check in with them, not just waiting for people to check in with me. The word says, try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. I mean, we're not going to have a scorecard here or anything, but you know, am I respecting, am I giving honor? Now, I know in church, you know, sometimes I speak before I think, which is a good thing. And um, I spoke in a church in Bonteable about honor and honoring the leaders and honoring the pastor. And I spoke of it such a gracious, beautiful, loving way. And what I didn't realize until the end of my message is how honor has been corrupted and polluted in most of those circles. Where it's placed the pastor on such a pedestal, you need to honor and obey, 
where honor is really to do life together. The word says, wives, honor your husband. That's the honor that we speak of. It's a friendship. It's a togetherness. And that's one of the things that we said yesterday. We want to be ministers, but we also want to be friends. Because we're not always just giving in every relationship. Even though we struggle and people go through things and we have counseling meetings, there's still something that, that we get. There's, there's friendship, there's connection, there's realness, there's openness. I mean, I meet with you guys. I, mean, I meet with the greatest people that I've ever had the privilege of meeting with. I remember high school, there was, there was few, and I'm going to say it, quality people. Why? Because they were unsaved. They have all the potential to be the best people in the world, but unless we have Christ, we are not living up to our potential. So we get to mingle with each other. We get to do life together. We get to say sorry and say, hey, whatever I held against you last year, let's, can I ask you, let's let go of that. Let's take off the offense, that whole trailer. Like, just let it go. And let it be as gone as Herman and Malisa's bicycles that disappeared from the back of their car. With no trace. We're still praying for that. But we're not going to pray for your offense to come back. Amen? Let it disappear without a trace. Take up that relationship that you've put down. Take up that hurt. Or put down the hurt. Take up the hand and say, hey, we're in this together. Let's make peace. Let's, let's not hold offenses. There's enough in this world that's against us. Let us as a family not bigger about different things and small clan yuckles, the word says. Even in the doctrine that we maybe teach, you can harden your heart and you will stop receiving from what God has for you and you will blame me. But guess what? God won't. Because the word just said, you need to examine your heart. So let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes. And let's do what the Word just told us to do. And let's just examine our hearts. Let's just consider where we are. Let's consider the state, the condition of our hearts. I'll continue to read some verses as you just consider this. But Romans 12 verse 16 says, Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. Isn't that beautiful? And be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do the menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Verse 13, take a constant interest in the needs of God's people. Respond by helping them. Eagerly welcome people as guests in your home. Verse 12, let this hope burst forth within you. That's what we started the service with. Releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Like I said to you, this year will not be up to God. This year will be up to your focus and mine and ours. If we all say, yes, we're in, let's commit. Let's live this life, this grace life, this family life. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's obey the word. Let's at least try it. Amen. 
Let's give it some time. Let's give it a few months. Let's make, make this something that we're serious about. I was watching a movie called The Star that tells the story of Mary and Joseph, but from the donkey's point of view. And it's interesting and it's quite humorous. But there's one, one, one line that got me. And it's Mary speaking to, to, um, to Joseph. And she says to him, while they're looking for a place to stay and they can't find it, she said, this is hard. Trust me. I know it is. And then she said these words, just because God has a plan doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And I wanted to just share that with you. Just because God has a plan doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because what we do is, when we're troubled, then we think it's not God's plan. When God has a plan, God has a plan. But your enemy does too. Okay? But we can resist him. Joseph responds and says, Hey, I'm scared too, but I'm here. And that's such a, a, a call for me, for us as a family. I don't have it all together. I'm still struggling. I'm still figuring this out. I'm still scared. I may be hopeless. I've got something bad that happened over the holiday. I'm not sure what this year will hold in. I'm scared. But I'm here. And you are here this morning. Well done. I'm asking you, how long? How long will you keep focus? How long will you rejoice? How long will you set your affection? How long will you be here? Will you be here at the end of the year? Will you be here throughout the year? Will you be in this with us? Will you live for more, more for others than for ourselves? Will we enjoy His grace and extend His kingdom? One way that we can set our affection is by worship. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to sing another song as we end the service. And this song is again a time for you to just set your affection. And setting your affection is like setting your ship. Setting the course of your year. And then the one thing that you do is you maintain course. You maintain that direction. And again, if you have a need or you have something in your heart that you need to, to deal with, whether that's offense or unforgiveness, give it to God first, because when you deal with that person, you want to deal with it in love. And the greatest news is that God has forgiven you. I just feel that's for someone. You, you're still holding a past mistake against yourself. Maybe you think, if I only, then so-and-so would still be here. If I only, then so-and-so would not have maybe died even. If I only, then I would not have been divorced. If I have only, then I would not be in this financial situation. Anything like that. The word says, love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. So you don't have to. You can love yourself with His love. You can forgive yourself because He's already done it. You can look yourself in the mirror and be happy with what you see. 
you can look at that person who got hurt because of your decisions and know that God hasn't stopped loving them, neither you. One moment. Not even a blip on the radar. What a God we serve. And the word says so beautifully, perfect love casts out fear. There's someone here that you are holding a grudge against the Duomini. Or maybe a few of them. Or maybe a church. Let go. Often, as we all do, we do the best with what we have. With what we know. And we don't always have the opportunity to repent and say sorry. Let go of that hurt because you're giving you're giving space to something that's not going to grow there's a dead spot in your garden where God wants to see it an orchard a vineyard a harvest let's stand together you can find more of our free teachings on our website and if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.